and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. That's fair. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Brandon. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. Ooh, that was really good. As long as you, you got to pause, or you <laughs> scramble it. <laughs> as long as what you say is comprehensible, I think we're okay. I would agree. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. You're awesome, guys. Here's a dig- digital kiss from me to you. <laughs> we love you. I want to give a shout out to our. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to our gold level patrons. We have Chase Clark, Joseph Lorendo, Gabe Kleinart. Jome Gemstone and Sean Wisby. And yes, Gemstone actually is his last name. (laughs) (laughs) At least it is on here. It's not fair. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for your continued support. You guys really make this this show possible. Um, So thank you so much for your hardcore dedication. We really do appreciate it. We cannot say that enough. Um, For those of you that aren't, um, if you're interested in becoming a patron uh, and getting lots of cool bonuses and awesome stuff like that and watching us live, wave at the camera, fellas. uh, (laughs) You can head on over to CritAcademy.com and there's a link to our Patreon page. So we want to thank you for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and our roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Yours are like a sorcerer without an origin story. Yeah, actually, turns out that's pretty important. Um, if you haven't figured it out, the, the sorcerer is our main topic today. And the cool thing about a sorcerer is everyone's story of how they got their power can be different, which is awesome. Yeah, they kind of channel forth the energies brought forth by the bloodline of their ancestors. Or they got into an accident. That too. <laughs> Doctor Strange, the only superhero human who gained his powers from reading. <laughs> I think it's funny. He's a sorcerer, but in D&D, he would be a wizard. <laughs> Just saying. Like Vegeta. Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we like to start every episode off on a high note, and we do that by bribing oh. our listeners to continue come back. What are you doing? Giving you a high note. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> that requires a swig. <laughs> Is that barefoot? Hello, is that better? No, it's Moscato. I don't like, I don't like your tone. Is that better? <laughs> oh, fuck. Where was I? Oh, we were going to give shit away. Yes. I forgot what we're giving away. The we're giving stone away. of goblins is giving stuff away. Got it, got it. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Oh, Goblin Stone you is really a want some, don't you? for D&D Fucker. fans based out of the UK. <laughs> you have some Mountain Dew They aim there. to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every Mine's fan better. a chance to get mm, published. Delicious. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. And this week, our winner is our sisters. I thought that said roosters. <laughs> or it could be Recessors, for all I know. Congratulations, our uh, Recessors. If you enjoyed the uh, adventure, please head on over to Goblinstone and let them know what you th- thought. Um, that way they can work towards improving better their product in the future. 
So we got a really great show for you guys today. I'm personally really excited because one of uh, the, in my opinion, what was the most OP uh, Unearthed Arcana that I've played is in here. So I was excited by that. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the, uh, we got a question from listener Samuel Griffith, which is an awesome name, by the way. Um, just, I, I love the name Samuel. I think it's awesome. Maybe because Jackson's so baller. I that's, assume that's where it's from. That's Griffin. I know. That's a different. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Um, but anyway, so uh, we got an awesome question to him in regards to uh, how awesome our show is. And then <laughs> our main topic is going to be the sorcerer, the Xanathar's Guide to Everything Sorcerer uh, analysis we'll be doing. And then, of course, we have our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment where we bring new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. But Yeah, the part you always fast forward to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You should make that a poll. <laughs> but before all that, we have In the Realm. Guys, is anything exciting going on in your realm? Who's got think they got the most interesting topic? I got a gerb. <laughs> he has a job. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> I have a job. Yep. We lost interest in that really quick. <laughs> and, what is, and what do you do for this job? He works for my wife. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, that definitely doesn't sound wrong. We cut and pack meat, and I'm, I'm the new cheese cutter. So I cut the cheese at work, <laughs> and I pack my meat. Can I just say how hilarious it is? My wife used to run a business that was all about nuts. nuts. Now she runs, <laughs> runs a company that's all about meat. I'm just, I'm, I think she has an addiction, I'll be honest. Um, but addiction, get it? Addiction? <laughs> so I, was, I was telling I was like, yeah, you should have met Alicia when we first saw her. She was so innocent, though. She's like, yeah, Justin broke me. <laughs> okay. okay. She was, she used to be quiet. All right, on my end, two things. First off, I picked up uh, Dragon Ball Ball Fighter Z for the PS4. Hey, I got that too. I'm having fun. But does it take you a half hour to get into a match? Um, it didn't the one time I tried. Yeah, it's terrible. I've been. I literally took me an hour to get into three matches. I was pissed. Yeah. Of course, that said, I was also mostly playing story mode. But oh yeah, I beat that yeah. already. And the other thing is, Android 21 is so hot. I'm glad I'm not the one who thinks so. Okay. <laughs> Um, so once again, the thing I want to, I do want to touch on briefly, uh, Crit Academy will be doing a pan, uh, a panel called Choose Your Own Adventure at Shudokan, uh, 2018, in, which is in Lansing on March 24th. So if you're in the neighborhood, swing on down, dress up in your favorite hero and come hang out with us. Speaking what? of which, we're the players, right? That's the plan. That's the plan, right? Unless is, you don't is it gonna up. Is it going to be a barbarian and a rogue? Well, you have to decide. You have an actual. Because I don't mind being a rogue. I think we need to cosplay what we are. And I don't know if you're down for cosplay. I have the problem with cosplay. It's, well, well actually, if you're a barbarian, like, you, you can just wear a loincloth. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> the minimum requirement for cosplay, Shudo. <laughs> that means I got to dress up. Oh, Joel looks like he's going to come join us. He's got the day off. Very nice. That's awesome. <laughs> John's going to be that one guy sitting there going, <sighs> just kidding, man. Can I have your autograph? Can I get a picture? I had no problem with, I had no problem with cosplay. I just like skills like him see sewing. Oh, yeah. I just buy everything. Actually, I've got like three or four that I won't be, uh, that I just alternate between because I like to be comfortable. And there's one thing I learned over the years, cosplay, not comfortable. Not comfortable so I don't, I don't do the extreme stuff, but I could probably wear something as a dungeon master, like get a screen on a pallet or something and just hang it from my neck like some baller D&D nerd bling. <laughs> like I'm, I'm torn between throwing on Ezio or making a dragonborn wearing the dragon mask. 
<laughs> Jones doesn't know. I already planned to have you breathe. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. Uh, so use your inhaler. That does it for in the realm. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> So that does it for In the Realm. Uh, Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, where can they go? There is another realm that they can go to. It is called Audible. And at Audible, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash critacademy. Or you can just head over to critacademy.com, and there's a link to that right on our page. Moving into our next subject, we have the Let's Talk About Blank. And we have a question from listener Samuel Griffith. Hi, Crit Academy. I have been listening to your blogs on Spotify. Yeah, that means it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> great content. Oh, should I do this in like the super fan voice? No. The super fan Just keep voice. going. Oh, great content, man. I'm a DM running the POTA <laughs> no, campaign. No, no, okay, okay. Okay, speaking. Like, you're, you're peaking our... If I turn up too high, then. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Not every setting is great, because it really just depends on how close we are. Um, anyways, uh, god damn it, you made me lose my spot, Ian. Fucker. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Shut up. I'm a DM running uh, Prince of the Apocalypse campaign. I have a question about identifying magic items. If someone is proficient in Arcana, or is a magical user... How challenging should I make it for them to identify a magical item if they are not using magical means? I figured the DC would be lower uh, the longer they spent on it. But if it was just a quick look, where would you set the DC to start with? He's got another paragraph here that says, I'm thinking of setting the DC higher depending on the rarity of the, rarity of the object. In some cases, I decided identifying part of an object is possible for lower success or close to fail. I made sure to release the rest of the stats on a particular achievement or when appropriate. All right, so here's what you do. You go to town. You get triggered. <laughs> you go to town. You get a scroll of identify. It's right next to Herodric Cube. <laughs> And then you right-click it, and it should... This is not, this is not Diablo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, first of all, in D&D 5e, Arcana checks actually don't work like they did in some previous editions. It's strictly supposed to be a lore thing at this point. Um, in, in being able to uh, interpret, you know, ma uh, magical symbols and, and, and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I think I'll allow it. <laughs> Yeah, so actually that leads me to the next point. Now, while that's that's raw, um, in raw, you would spend a short rest and you would be able to identify an item. Um, that's how it currently works in raw, right? You spend an amount of time with it. Basically, you're ex understood to be experimenting with it, you know, trying new things and, and sort of things. Now, that being said, I have used the Arcana rules to allow people to identify stuff sooner. Um, if they don't get a short rest, so they can use it uh, without taking a short rest. Okay. As weird as it sounds, I could actually see an argument for the more rare the object is, the lower the DC is, because the more rare it is, probably the more famous the object is. Oh, that's interesting. I was actually going to go the other way. Because I think in my response, I told them, I think for common items, I set like a DC of 10, and then for uh, rares, like 15, 18 for very rare, and then legendary, like 21 or something. Don't get me wrong, I get that too. Yeah. But if it's more of a well-known thing, it might be easier to identify. Right. But also, some magic items don't even give off the hint that they're magical, too. Right. So you would have to take that into consideration as well. I would almost say it depends on the item. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I, w I would agree with that. If you plan it, I mean, like, for instance, it, well, no, I don't necessarily know that's true. Because, for instance, we all know what Excalibur is, but I, could you identify it if you were holding it? Yeah, it's just a standard-looking sword, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's just a standard looking sword, right? As far as I know. And we both know what bags of holding are. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be an example. You would know what a bag of holding is. You stick your hand in it, and it just keeps going, right? I, I um, like I like the idea of uh, being able to surprise your players with a magical item that they don't know is magical. Ooh, that's like good. They, they swing that what they think is a sword they found, and then all of a sudden their enemy just burst into flames for a round for some reason. Yeah, I think we uh, talked about <laughs> briefly unlocking magical items by uh, doing specific types of feats. Yep. Um, I could see that being like an accident type thing too, which would be interesting. But it, directly to your question. Um, if you're looking to do the identifying uh, thing, I, I gave you what I thought the DCs would be. You mentioned you would make them lower, so how would you do it, Ian? I I just I don't really handle DCs too much, but like I said said though, I would say how famous is or how well know what the type, type of item be and set it accordingly. Right. <laughs> like a bag of holding would that you should just know what that is, right? Once right. you stick shit in it and it just disappears, and that's what <laughs> uncommon item, right? Right. That so, would. Uh, I'll check the DCs, but then also add that if they go to a library or something like that, for every certain amount of gold they spend, they earn a percentage towards learning more of what the object could be. Yeah. So now you're getting more into the heavier depth rules. The one thing that I love about 5e is that it's simple. Take a short rest, learn what it is. Now, you could make it where during the short rest they need to make a check and then maybe delay how quickly they can acquire that information. So if you don't want them to identify that this is a, a, a flame a flame burge or a flame brand or what a fire brand or whatever the hell it is, yeah. um, maybe you don't you have to make a check during your short rest. Oh, you know what? You experimented with it. You saw, you know, there's an incan like some some sigils on the side and runes on the side, and you don't really know what it means. Um, you can get some more research and check again later and experiment a little bit again. But that'd be more like of a delay tactic, in my opinion, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I could definitely see for simplicity, though. As uh, Sam here said, the more rare it is, the higher the DC yeah. is for simplicity's sake. Yeah, for me personally, I think the spell identify is important. That's mm -hmm. why I actually hated the fact that you can just learn it at short rest. Um, identify spell allows you to figure it out right away. So I would always require for a while there, um, like a long rest. You, you, you would have to really spend a lot of time with it, not a short rest. It's like a hour. I would imagine, too, just for fun from the DM's part, have the players figure out what it is in the worst way possible. <laughs> <laughs> like like a ring of feather fall like they fall from they don't know it's ring of feather fall until they're falling from like 10 <laughs> stories 9 stories 8 stories 7 stories you're gonna go splat is rushing through your brain right now you can think about how you're gonna turn into a big splattering pile of goo 6 stories 5 stories hold Whoosh, up your ring opens up and you glide lightly to the ground hold up why am I falling slower that's weird actually the example I was thinking of like uh, I think this is real let me ch check and pick up my sword <laughs> It's a flame tongue. <laughs> That's funny. So, oh my god, it's on fire! They mess with them psychologically. Like, as they're falling, they start to slow down. I was like, is this what it feels like to fall? <laughs> I've never fallen before, so I don't know. <laughs> or uh, another thing, you can make it inconvenient for them. For instance, let's say you've got a firebrand, and you're, it's on your rogue's rapier, and he's sneaking around, and then it just bursts into flame, giving, uh, giving away his location, and like a thousand arrows come flying at him. <laughs> I was thinking something like that, too, where it's... Uh, <laughs> Well, they need a short rest to do the, to do the, to take the roll. Uh huh. Well, there's other things that they need a short rest in order to regain, like certain spells and abilities, right, and stuff right. like that. And what that is is, I always thought of it as you regain this on a short rest, but that's because you're pre preparing it, you're re getting getting it re ready. Re, so, re ready. What the fuck? Re readying is that? it. They're ready. You're readying the ability up again, so you could do it again. Instead, make them sacrifice it to make them spend their time. Okay. <laughs> going through the uh, uh, rolls. 
All right. Um, I derailed. Yeah, you did. So um, we hope that uh, we answered your question, uh, Samuel. And actually, I already emailed or messaged him, and he was quite happy with my response. Or at least gave you a bunch of ideas. Yeah, that's the, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of the goal, right? Um, if you didn't like our response, please send me an email to the complaint department with a $5 check attached. Um, <laughs> thank you for your submission, uh, Samuel. <laughs> so moving on to our uh, main topic, we have Xanathar's class analysis on the sorcerer. When it comes to drawing forth their abilities in times of need, sorcerers have it easy compared to other characters. Their power not only rests within them, but it likely takes some effort to keep it at bay. Every sorcerer is born to the role, or stumbles into it through cosmic chance. Unlike other characters who must actively learn, embrace, and pursue their talents, sorcerers have their power thrust upon them. That's kind of deep if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're not working towards it. There was autistic screeching in the beginning. Uh, I think that was when I was screaming and I peaked our levels. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> That's on you. Autistic um. screeching. <laughs> Next time you come in, you need to come in with a plastic helmet. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brandon, do you want to read the next thing for the Divine Sorcerer there? The Divine Sorcerer! Sometimes a spark of magic that fuels a sorcerer comes from a divine source that glimmers within the soul. Having such a blessed soul is a sign that your innate magic might come from a distant but powerful familial connection to a divine being. Perhaps your ancestor was an angel, transformed into a mortal and sent to fight in God's name. Or your birth might line with an ancient prophecy, marking you as a servant of the gods or a chosen vessel of divine magic. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was the favored soul before, right? In the Ar- Unearthed Arcana? More or less. Okay. Fucking OP shit. <laughs> That's what... Uh, he, were, uh, you guys were in the game with uh, Cody, right? Where he played the devi- uh, the uh, favored soul? I nope. let him have an Unearthed... I let him have an Unearthed Arcana build, and I regretted it immediately. When he was the tank, the healer, and the nuker... <laughs> I'm like, fuck. All in one go. Yeah. So, first of all, the Divine Soul is awesome. Um, obviously, it's similar to, like, the Favorite Soul, I think, in previous editions. But uh, we get some pretty baller shit. And if you've noticed, there's a trend with a lot of the archetypes. You usually get them at level. But for the divine, for the Sorcerer, you actually get some features as soon as you pick it up. Ooh, man. I think he has a Mescal little heart. Uh, <laughs> I was already drinking it before we started. Oh, <laughs> He's having pussy hiccups. It was Well, it was it was about half full this earlier. <laughs> Not that much, though. We are so What's dipped. alcohol content? I mean, you uh, don't drink, so... About 15%. I ain't nothing. Yeah, it may as well be 50% for you. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> so, uh, the first feature you get is as soon as you pick the origin, when at level 1, you get Divine Magic. Your link to the Divine allows you to learn spells from the Cleric class. When your spellcasting feature lets you learn or replace a Sorcerer Cantrip or a Sorcerer Spell at first level or higher, you can actually choose a new spell from the Cleric spell list, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um... Oh, uh, you must otherwise obey all restrictions uh, for the selecting uh, the spells uh, that come with the, 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 the feature, but um, it also becomes a sorcerer spell for you, which means you get to use your charisma modifier instead of your wisdom modifier, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you get to choose an affinity for the source of your divine power, good, evil, law, chaos, or neutrality. You learn uh, an additional spell based on your affinity, as shown in the chart below. Actually, this is actually pretty interesting, because I'm pretty sure, isn't this the first features you get that would be in the entire book, as far as I can tell, that's based on some sort of alignment? Yeah. 
Can you, can you think of anything else? Not off the top of my head. Yeah. So, as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm mistaken, and I'm sure somebody will send me a nasty email saying as such. Um, but so for good, you get access to cure wounds, which which makes sense. Heal people. Evil inflict wounds. Oh, hey, really? imagine that. Mm, Kill yeah. people. <laughs> um, law, you get bless, which is awesome. By the way, you get access to if you're chaos, you get bane, and then for neutrality, you get protection from good and evil. I don't trust those neutralians. <laughs> they never quite take a stance on anything. Neutralians. <laughs> neutralians. <laughs> it's like they're a race. I have no opinion uh, one way or the other. At Futurama, they are. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> and with all this, one of the first features you gain at level one is favored by the gods. Starting at first level, divine power guards your destiny. If you fail a saving throw or miss with an attack roll, you can roll 2d4 and add to the total, possibly changing the outcome. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you have a short or long rest. Okay, so let's just take a moment to break that down. You get to add 2d4 to a saving throw once per short rest. Yep, minimum 2, average of 5. That's, that's insane. Yep. That's a huge difference, especially if you consider early on, the saves are what, like 13? Not very high. To me, this this is basically representative of the God's influence in your life, right? Um, that's basically what it is. So it's representing the, the them bending their will to support you, which I just think is really cool. Like you can, when you get uh, struck with this like a uh, attack and you have to make a saving throw, I can just hear play when you roll the dice. <laughs> Someone up there still likes me. But not enough to be able to do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets one. Yeah, I think it's weird to have a limit like that where it's it's the luck of the gods, but really, yeah, you can only get it so often. Favored by the gods, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we awesome. saw that scene you did last night. We're just gonna do a little bit. There you go. <laughs> we helped you. We helped you in a couple hours ago. You don't get no more help today. <laughs> you know how many people look up to us. You're not the only one. That's funny. I was like, God, I protect you from many things. Your stupidity is not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Empowered healing. I hate you sometimes. (laughs) You're such a dickhead. Whenever you or an ally within five feet of you rolls dice to determine the number of hit points a spell restores, you can spend one sorcery point to re-roll any number of those dice once, provided you aren't incapacitated. All right, so this is awesome. Okay, first off, how the heck would you be healing if you're incapacitated? I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is that? Well, there's a ability that just came out where you create like an area effect in the Xanathar's Guide, isn't it? Where you can just create an area of healing. So once you cast it, wasn't that a druid thing? I don't know, but maybe. unless it's like a. a- a point-and-shoot type of thing, and you're incapacitated. Your team just comes up, <laughs> grabs your hand, and goes, pew, pew, pew. So I think there are some circumstances... <laughs> I do think there are some circumstances where that would apply. But if, anyway... If you're a druid. So once again, um, kind of following the, the, the divine divine power thing, you're empowering your heals with your innate magic, which is pretty cool. You're given a little more oomph, right? Um, so... <laughs> So if I'm, like, touching Ian all over to cure his wounds and the spell is weak, do I just will more power into it and you get, like, a burst of energy coming from it? And he didn't buy me a drink first. Uh, it doesn't wait. say you can keep the higher of the two, though. So That's true. But likely I would use this on, like, a one or a two, probably, because sorcery points are uh, valuable. Yeah. Yep. 
And honestly, I wouldn't use them on a roll on somebody else. I'm like, oh, you're shit out of luck. Gods don't like you. <laughs> you get a one. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. I once again, I think that um, I really, you really got to play up the 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 god the god thing, you know. Like, uh, you start healing, and then it's weak, so a big beam of light comes out of the sky. <laughs> As you cast a heal ability, and, and, and you then use the power of healing, and through your wings, and the halo briefly appears over you. That's cool. I like that. Remember the dove? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's when the uh, John Woo is a sorcerer. <laughs> the next feature you gain access to is the Otherworldly Wings. Starting at 14th level, you can use a bonus action to manifest a pair of spectral wings on your back. While the wings are present, you have a flying speed of 30 feet. The wings last until you are incapacitated. You die. <laughs> or you, you die. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> or you dismiss them as a bonus action. The affinity you choose uh, for your divine magic feature determines the appearance of the spectral wings. It's eagle for good or law. And bat wings for evil or chaos, and dragonfly wings for neutral neutral alien. That's so dumb. Neutralian is that what you called it? Neutralian. So well, if you're a uh, level evil, <laughs> then oh, that that's, one, did you? That's no good. <laughs> well, you're just, it's not based on your class, your race. It's just whatever one of those you choose. But I mean, that that puts a your... a real stick in the way if you're a <laughs> if you're a guy who's pretending to be good. And then you also use these, and like that guy's evil. You can tell by his wings. Look at the wings, the lying fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like this. And once again, um, this describes your wings. But if you wanted something else, like for instance, you know, it talks about uh, eagle wings. You know, what if I decided I wanted butterfly wings? <laughs> I don't think that would be a problem. Screw you, Aunt Crow's wings. Aren't those the same? Are those any different than an eagle's wings? Yes, they're black. Yeah, they're black. <laughs> Except for these are spectral wings, so they, do they have color? Why wouldn't they? Oh, I don't know. I just imagine when I imagine spectral, I just okay. Imagine, so like, it's either color. feathered, uh, webbed, or insect. That's what they'll look like. Translucent. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so very awesome. Anytime you get fly now, by comparison, you know, and I know Gabe loves this topic because um, the 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 variant tiefling gets flying at level one. So how does that compare to a fourteenth level feature? <laughs> that almost doesn't seem right, right? Wait, what gets fly at level one? The tiefling uh, variant gets at level one, and so does the Aracocoa, Aracoa, whatever it's called. And uh, <laughs> some um, <laughs> oh crud. What's the one that's opposite tieflings? <laughs> Oh, ASMR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew that. I'm an idiot. Some of those can get wings, too. Yeah. So, but anyways, um, so that's a 14th level feature, and some some races get it at level one. But it's also, <laughs> in I think that's when the Dracosaurus gets wings, too, though, so... I suppose. Last but not least, at level 18, you gain unearthly recovery. You gain the ability to overcome grievous injuries. As a bonus action, when you have fewer than half your hit points remaining... You regain a number of hit points equal to half your hit point maximum. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again till you finish a long rest. Awesome. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I almost did. Not anymore, sucker. <laughs> I would So I would personally I would have a lot of fun with this. If I was say like a good or a lawful character, um when I'm recovering and I use this feature, I would describe as an angel descending above me to give me a massage. Like rubbing on my shoulders and touching my wounds like I'm touching Ian right you now. You can do it, buddy. You can do this. You got this. <laughs> Remember, we're watching. <laughs> like, like, like an angel in your corner. 
<laughs> you throwing that. water in your face with a water bottle squirt squirt you that. That <laughs> yeah look at that chud over there you can take him <laughs> actually I'm kind of like right now picturing uh, Mickey from Rocky <laughs> yes yes very much very much so come on Jeff you're gonna eat thunder and crap lightning <laughs> <laughs> you can take him Actually, if you're a sorcerer, you could probably do that. But to me, this this is a wonderful this is a wonderful opportunity to play up the the deities in your favor. Uh, at least in my opinion. Um, oh my gosh, I killed Brendan. <laughs> so that does it for the divine soul. Um, I think that last one is. Did you guys have any other comments on that? I kind of derailed us. Yeah, you did. <laughs> The next class origin you can choose uh, is the Shadow Magic. You are a creature of the shadow, for your innate magic comes from the Shadowfell itself. You might trace your lineage to an entity from that place, or perhaps you are exposed to its fell, fell energy and transformed by it. A That's cre- cool. A creature of shadow like Alec Baldwin? I got that reference. Okay. That's an old, old movie. It's so horrible, but that's why it's so great. <laughs> Yes. The shadow. The shadow. Well, <laughs> He's like, nope. Well, well it's cool. off of an old uh, radio drama, but I remember actually when me and a group of friends watched it, I, cr- I actually compiled a list of, okay, things I learned from watching The Shadow. <laughs> it should have stayed a radio drama. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently when somebody is in cement shoes, you free them from it by shooting their feet with pistols while laughing ma- ma- maniacally. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ian, do you want to take that first one there? Alright. One of the first things you gain when you decide to go into shadow magic is at level 1, you gain the Eyes of the Dark, which gives you dark vision with a range of up to 120 feet. When you reach 3rd level with this class as well, you learn the Darkness spell, which does not count against your number of sorcery spells known. In addition, you can cast it by spending two sorcery points or by expending a spell slot. If you cast it with sorcery points, you can see through the darkness created by the spell. So I guess that means you can cast magic missile through it. <laughs> Dark vision up to 120 feet is already awesome, because that puts you at double the the length of most creatures that have dark vision. Except drawer warlocks. <laughs> um, oh, do they? I thought it, their dark vision is only 60 feet. I believe a Jaws actually is at least 90. Oh, well, there you have and, it. And Warlocks can get the, uh, I forget what it's called, but like a the eye. Invocation? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, nice. <laughs> the fact that you get access to the darkness spell is cool, um, but then being able to see through it. If you spend sorcery points. that But still, but that's a yeah. powerful combo, because it gives you advantage as an unseen attacker, if you're in melee with something, right? Because they can't see you. Actually, at any time. If you shoot from outside of a, uh, if you like cast darkness on yourself... And you shoot from it, you're an unseen attacker. Oh, nice. Um, and if they're within melee with you, they have disadvantage because you're still, they can't see at all. Um, and that's a pretty powerful combo that used to belong unique strictly to the Warlock with Devil Sight, right? And uh, for added psychological warfare, start seeing some summoning Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part about this, though, is it really screws over your allies. It can. Like, oh, it's big and black blob and I can't see the enemies, a-hole. <laughs> So it definitely has its uh, it definitely has its advantages and makes that just awesome. That reminds me of when I ran in the Adventure League when one guy decided to help the party by casting a fog cloud on the enemies, but then the party looked at him like, "You idiot! Now I can't see him." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, Brandon, do you want to take the next one, buddy? My good old buddy, buddy. my buddy old pal. Strength of the grave. Starting at first level, your existence in a twilight state. 
between life and death makes you difficult to defeat. When damage reduces you to zero hit points, you can make a charisma saving throw. It's a DC 5+, plus, the damage taken. On a success, you instead drop to 1 HP. You can't use this feature if you are reduced to zero hit points by radiant damage or by a critical hit. After the saving throw succeeds, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. I picture this being way more useful at lower levels than higher levels. Well, not only that, this would stack really co- well with the um, orc half-orc racial. Yep. Which also does something. It's endurance or something like that. Orcish resilience. Why the full orcs don't have it is beyond me. <laughs> um, so if you, you, I mean, the fact you can stop, you might be able to stop yourself from dying uh, or going unconscious is is a pretty big deal in my book. Yeah. Um, especially when you've got something like this that has, what, a D6 hit die, and your HP is just relatively low. Being able to prevent an instant one unconscious hit is is awesome and always useful. should have named it Strength from the Grave instead of, of the Grave. Because otherwise, Strength of the Grave is nothing, because you're dead. <laughs> that's funny. Or you are dead, and that's where your strength is coming from. Ooh. Mm. Might have to make sense of things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean... I know. How do you you envision a feature like this working? I mean, there's got to be a way you describe why this happens, right? Oh, as you take damage, suddenly a spectral skeletal form appears over you that is cloaked in darkness. Ooh, that's good. Mother's... Not today, mother fracker. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, very cool. I like, like I said, I like anytime you can stop a low B HP or a low HP character from being being one shotted, basically in unconsciousness. Although, it's like if you take a twenty damage, you're screwed. <laughs> right, right. But still, there's always a chance. Um, the next feature you get is Hound of Ill Omen. Basically, um, you gain the ability to call forth a howling creature of darkness to harass your foes. And as a bonus action, you can spend three sorcery points to magically summon a Hound of uh, Ill Omen to target one creature you can see within 120 feet of you. And the Hound uses the Direwolf statisticals... Statisticals? Statistics. <laughs> statisticals. <laughs> statistics in the Monster Manual. So definitely check that out. Uh, there are a few changes. The Hound is medium-sized, not large. And it counts as a monstrosity, not a beast. Um... It, uh, it appears with a number of hit points equal to half your sorcerer level to help keep it alive, which is awesome. But here's where it really gets interesting. It can move through other creatures uh, creatures and objects as if it was difficult terrain, um, which I assume that means walls too, right? Yep. A wall is an object. Um, and the hound does take damage if it uh, uh, ends its space within an object, so you don't probably want to do that, but... Uh, at the start of its turn, the hound automatically knows its target's location. Uh, if the target was hidden, it is no longer hidden. So to me, that that right there is actually a pretty big deal. If you can summon this to instantly reveal the location of a hidden target, and it can still attack it and do something about it, that's pretty cool. Why, hello there. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. Imagine, uh... What? Dual-classing a character with that, um... What was it? That ranger? The Assassin Ranger and uh-huh. this. Oh, interesting. That would that would really fit a nice nice think, build there, probably. Would ever hide from you? <laughs> Be able to sneak in and get around it. Um. Uh. Aside from having some pretty basic features, you know, it gets its own initiative and it can still make you know op attacks and stuff on its own. Um. The big thing comes is when the Hound is within five feet of a target, the target has disadvantage on saving throws against the spells you cast. That's huge. When you can impose disadvantage on spells, 
and increase your success rate, that's super critical for a sorcerer who has such a limited um, spell slot pool. Oh, that's that I could easily see somebody hustling this though, where the hound acts on your initiative just for simplicity's sake. Yeah, that happens a lot more so in like league play than it does, I think, home rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, at least my personal experience. Uh, the hound uh, does disappear when it gets to zero hit points. Um, if the target is reduced to zero hit points or after five minutes, so there's a couple li- limits: its hit points, the enemy's hit points, and time limit. So keep those all in mind when you're playing them. Uh, the coolest thing about this, though, is you can describe how this hound looks to no end. Uh, Cerberus, for instance, you can describe it as a three-headed dog, or you could describe it says a hound, but you easily could describe it as you know. I don't know, like a cat, a big cat, maybe, or what? What? What else? An elephant, a small elephant, a tiny elephant, a sentient wood chipper. That's weird. A wood chipper, like like a automated device you chuck wood into and it comes out splinters. Yep, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's really cool. Um, because I love customization, I would definitely probably change it from like a shadow wolf to something else. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> shadow cockroach. That would be cool. <laughs> Or the what the corrupted board looked like in the Princess Mononoke. Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. See, little oh. th- little things like that are, can be terrifying and and, and really be uh, awesome. Watched as a kid; those things freaked me out when they got all demon form. <laughs> like, oh. Next up on deck at level fourteen, you gain the ability Shadow Walk. When you are in dim light or darkness, as a bonus action, you can magically teleport up to one hundred and twenty feet to an unoccupied space you can see that is also in dim light or darkness. Dang, that would work pretty well with your, uh... The ranger? No, with the, your level one feature. Eyes at the dark. Yeah. Ooh. That one. Teleport. Free teleportation, man. Teleport around inside the cloud that you cast. Ooh. That's nice. Maybe that's the uh, way that's supposed to work. That's pretty baller. I really want to make a multi-class now. So that basically means... So once you've cast darkness, you... Can you just teleport freely? I'll see why not. That's awesome. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the background images in the the book, uh-huh. and there's a note up here at the top that's talking about uh, the wings we were just talking about. Why oh, do so from... many celestial things have bird wings and infernal things have bat wings? It seems arbitrary. There should be a bat angel. <laughs> that's from Xanathar. Yep, <laughs> the beholder that wrote the book, right? <laughs> Those are awesome if you read them through the book. They're, that's my favorite part of the whole book, I'll be honest. Sometimes I disintegrate my shadow when I see it because I think it's a different beholder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's really cool. Um, shadow walks, teleporting. So, Actually, if you want to uh, re- read a book that has like uh, comments from the peanut gallery, if you will, just read any of the source books for Shadow Run. <laughs> Pretty good. They constantly have conversations between different characters in all the entries. (laughs) Oh. I'll check that out. The one thing I would like to point out with this is it doesn't really tell you how it looks. Um, Have you guys uh, played Mortal Kombat with Noob Saibot? Mortal You know how he like he, he like shrinks and melds into the, the ground? Yeah. He yeah. almost looks like an ink and then comes up somewhere else. That's kind of how I envision this working for me. I think that would be really cool. Fun fact. Noob's about's name came from the last names of the two graders of Mortal Kombat. Spelled backwards. Boone and Tobias. Huh. Didn't know that. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy I, yeah. lo- I love noob sabat that's why my name is noob all the time anyway um so uh that's really cool i really think it would be really funny to have one that opens a door in the shade shadow and just walks through it and then closes it behind him <laughs> i thought your uh, name was noob because you're terrible at everything that that was part of it too. 
I hate you. Right Which now. is hilarious on Rocket League because you're not bad at that at all. Yeah, I mean, well, um, I can I can't seem to stay in plat plat, so I'm not that good. It, it's um, still funny because whenever he plays online, you get the uh, banners for whenever you get a goal. <laughs> And they're based on whatever your rank is. If you get really high, you can get ones. He has a gold banner, but he still uses a copper level. I have a platinum banner. He has a platinum banner, and he uses copper. And his name's Noob, just to throw people off. <laughs> this guy's name's Noob, and he's got a copper banner, but he's, like, veteran. That's what my n- name is in Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Noob's Noob. the bot. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I am, though, but I'm actually kind of good. Um, all right, so uh, the last feature... Wait, Brandon, have you t- done one in a little bit? Why don't you take that oh. one? Umbral form. Starting at 18th level, you can spend six sorcery points as a bonus action to magically transform yourself into a shadowy form. In this form, you have resistance to all damage except force and radiant. And you can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain. You take uh, five force damage, of course, if you end with an, inside the un- an object. Remain in this form for one minute. It ends early if you are incapacitated, dead, or if you dismiss it as a bonus action. Why the heck would you dismiss this? <laughs> yeah, this is pretty baller. Um, first of all, you get to turn yourself into a shadow. How awesome is that? Like, like, so do you envision it like the shadow the same size as you, or like a really thin little like wobbly thing? Or it could uh, be like a wisp of a bl- black mist swirling all around you. Honestly. Oh, it makes me think of when Peter Pan is chasing a shadow in Wendy's that, room. That's what I thought. Yeah, when he's like he's like the super thin little shadowy thing. Uh, maybe like uh, <laughs> get in back the, here, motherfucker. In the sh- was it in the shadow where he's like shadow on the wall and he's fighting and punching people. Which one was, was that shadow? I don't think so. There was there was one where the guys uh, could meld into the wall and his shadow was on the wall and he would fight other shadows and it would affect the people. What, what movie was that? I don't know that? what that is. That sounds pretty cool. That, yeah, it's pretty baller, and that's kind of... Was that by Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust? No, it wasn't an anime. It was a movie. Like, the guy had, like, a big giant a scarf that wrapped around his face, and he could, like, he could do an illusion that made himself look different to everybody else. That is the shadow. <laughs> okay, well, then I'm confused. He didn't meld into the shadow at all and I kick everyone's recall, ass? I don't but I could be wrong. Uh, anyways, I remember re- watching a show where the guy would, like, become a shadow, and then he would just fight other shadows, and it would, like, affect the person that was standing away over there. It was really cool. Well, the character I was thinking about, though, was in the Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, there was, like, a creature of some kind that could, like, uh, merge into shadows. Mm-hmm. And if he also stabbed his opponent's shadow, it inflicted damage right where, where that location is on their body. Oh, that's awesome. That's very much like the, the th- character I'm talking about. So that's kind of how I envision this working, but I could see the, the willow, uh, willowy wisps of smoke or whatever, black smoke, and creating kind of that sort of sh- standing shadow. But um, uh, to me, that's awesome. The resistance to all damage, except for Radiant and Force, it, once again, is pretty awesome. Be aware if you fight clerics. Yeah, run away. That does it for the Shadow Origin Sorcerer. Now, the uh, Storm Sorcerer is also in Xanathar as well, but we covered that way back when we covered the Skag. Yep, so head on over back to one of those older episodes that I really meant to Google which or look up which one it was, but I didn't. And, uh, of course, by Skag, I mean Sword Coast Adventures Guide, for those of you who aren't in the know. <laughs> Another insert from Xanathar. Uh, what so. is with people and the weather? It's just the sky weeping and shouting because it's too far away from me. <laughs> that sounds like me if I was a beholder. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that does it for our main topic today. We hope you enjoyed our, uh, discussion and to get on a few rants, so that'll definitely be cut out, but, uh, the sorcerer, 
I truly believe the sorcerer is, in my opinion, one of the least played classes. Which is unfortunate, because you can do so much things with them. Yes, and they have so much power. If you know what you're doing, of course. Right, right. Anyway, so before we move on to our uh, fourth and final segment, our honor tips and tricks, we have one more bribe to give away. A prize to give away. <laughs> Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. So, Brandon, who's our winner this week? Today's winner is... Miffy, five, eight, three, nine. So congratulations, Miffy, on your prize. If you enjoy the adventure, uh, head on over to loresmith.com and leave them a review. Awesome. Kingpin? <laughs> no? What? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's still owe my next month's rent. <laughs> well, moving on to our... Our fourth and final segment, we have our honor tips and tricks. Our character concept this week is Bones of My Ally. So this oh, character concept, creepy. I, I actually <laughs> I actually used this on Zazu, I think. You did. Um, where this character um, has some sort of really close connection to a family member or a, a, a sibling, and that something bad has happened to them. So what they've done is, in order to uh, commemorate them in some way, they take their leftover bones and they make weapons and armor out of them. Yeah. Dude, does that helmet have, like, a skull in the front of it? Yes, it's the skull of my great-grandfather, who was a great warrior who fought for our tribe. Do but. not besmirch the armor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and my, my pauldrons are, are made of the shin bones of my dad, and uh, the spikes, those are my sister's fingertips. <laughs> Doesn't look great. <laughs> it can be as subtle as maybe the hilt is made out of a single bone. Um, or maybe you got a shield that's covered in, in bones from your family, or maybe even slain enemies. It really makes me think of the necromancer from Diablo. Yes. Because he's got all the bone armor and the shield. Right, you know, your armor can have little, like, bones across it, or, or across the front, and what would you classify that as? I would almost say that that could be, uh, like, the highest tier of, like, hide, maybe? Bone? Yeah. Or do you think it would be stronger than that? Other than hide, I wouldn't... Not stronger than the steel, that's obvious. Yeah, I, I love a club that's made from the skull of a family member. I think that's just great. That's a pretty easy one to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any other uh, points you'd like to touch on with that? I mean, what do you, if you were to run a character, what kind of uniqueness would you add? If you were to run this type of character, what uniqueness would you add? I would say that at one point we had a large bird. Because something like a... A phoenix, or maybe a like a pet, or a griffin, or something like that. Large eagle, like like a family pet, and it dies. And now you are wearing this skull as a as, as a helmet, and it's got a beak, and it's oh, that's so and, cool! And it gives a very gothic. Mm, so you could do it with like a pet too, not necessarily like a, a family member, right? 
Yeah, it says ally, so. Yeah, well, that's just what I named it, but I was thinking more like family members, but that's way cooler. Um, I, I think that's awesome, and you can even go, uh, like, your pauldrons are like, you know, the like pet wolves you used to have, the skulls of pet wolves oh or something. Oh, my God. How cool would that be? Then the cape is their flesh or their skin, whatever's left. Um, so that is our character concept, the bones of my ally. Our monster variant of the podcast is the minstrel. Now, the origin for this is the scout. The first feature that we gave it is called the silver tongue. Basically, all ability checks that involve uh, persuasion, charisma checks, have a plus six bonus. Jeez. <laughs> you think that's a lot, but it already has stealth at plus six. So it is a lot, but what really makes it interesting is three times a day, the minstrel can inspire others through stirring words or music. It can use a bonus action on its turn to choose one creature other than itself within 60 feet of it who can hear it. That creature gains one bardic inspiration die. That's a d6. Once within the next 10 minutes, the creature can roll the die and add it to its ability uh, to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. The creature can wait until after it rolls a d20 uh, before deciding whether to use the inspiration die or not. Once the bardic inspiration die is rolled, it is lost. A creature can have only one bardic inspiration die at a time. Basically, I took bard features and I gave it to a monster. (laughs) Because I don't think I've ever run into a monster that gave inspiration to any of its allies. This is another one of those... uh Sideswipe, freak out the player type of creatures, isn't it? Yeah, the players can do it. Why can't I? Basically. <laughs> um, so I thought that this was a really cool idea, and I think that having a support character like this can really make an interesting uh, battle. Like <laughs> I think we talked about it last uh, last episode where I was watching Critical Role, and he says he casts cutting words, and it's like uh, I sing, ho ho ho, motherfucker, miss. <laughs> So I was envisioning, I was envisioning something similar to that where he goes, oh, 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 motherfucker hit. <laughs> um, personally, I think that this is an interesting concept, and and I I think bards are are awesome as players. I think it is just that much better as uh, uh, an enemy, um, and I think that it could really I can just envision uh, two two uh, enemy. You're in like a town town market or whatever, and. Uh, the players engage two enemies, and then this third enemy appears atop, you know, one of the buildings. Is sitting there with his loot, <laughs> playing his instrument and shouting words of encouragement. Um, and since he can use a longbow too, um, he can, you know, make his multi-attack and shoot from a distance while inspiring his allies. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Are you okay? I cast myself. It smells like a horrible fucking cabbage. Oh god. Uh. Okay. Wow, you were pretty quick. Did you like? <laughs> I did. I did. I, I was about to ask you this. Like, so, what do you think it went to your house, or is he just squatting behind your bar? <laughs> you know, I it was, I was option B there. Not gonna lie. You it's just blaming on the dog. My house. Get, oh, my dog's gonna eat you. Oh, Katara's Duke looks like a human Duke. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> just get right out there and blame This one there. doesn't matter. Which one of these is not like the rest? Okay, okay. I'm not gonna lie. It took a lot of a part to hold it in until I got to your house. Only for Alicia to be inside the bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> so you were, you were doing that, that walk where your ass is like super tight and you're. <laughs> Very naughty. <dog-y. laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> Hopefully she's not pooping because she can be in there for a while. <laughs> she goes in there with her phone and sits in there for like fifteen minutes. I'm she like, was. Honey, I gotta go! 
Ophir's on the phone, actually. Uh-oh. Um, so, we uh, just finished talking about the minstrel. Did you have any comments on it? It's basically just, an enemy bard. It just would be an interesting idea, and it's also uh, gives a DM a good time to show off his chops when it comes to his musical or singing ability. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even consider that. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for our... Yeah. Um, what's that? When the bodies hit the floor. When the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> when the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> when the bodies hit the floor. When the bodies hit the floor. It's actually let the bodies hit the floor, but... Oh, there we go. Um, so that <laughs> is our monster. Why four? God damn it. That is our monster. Can't take much more. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Here we go now. One. Nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> Two, nothing wrong with me. Three, nothing wrong with me. And then here's the rest of the list. And he pulls out a sheet that just goes down and just keeps counting. Something's got to give. <laughs> I can only count to four. <laughs> that is a hilarious video. Uh, I can only count to four. I can only I count, count to four. Uh, cycle stick. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, that is our monster variant of the podcast, The Minstrel. I uh, had to double take because I thought that said minstrel. <laughs> it's like, uh, ew. <laughs> And for today's encounter uh, of the podcast, nest of monster eggs. Compliments of Gabe Kleinart. Thank you, Gabe. We love you. When traveling through a dungeon, <laughs> I am going to punch you. Why are you going to be so violent? <laughs> I play barbarians, man. That should tell you something. Uh... When traveling through a dungeon, the party encounters a large room with a huge clutch of monster eggs. The type of monster dependent on the type of dungeon or adventure covering the floor. The party must travel through the room without disturbing the eggs, because if they are damaged, it either summons the mother, who is none too happy her eggs have been destroyed, or it causes a chain reaction and all the eggs begin to hatch, at which point they have to face dozens of baby monsters. And if you ask me, this is the opportunity for having an awesome omelette. Really? Yes. So yeah, this really reminds me of uh, a very popular uh, video that went around uh, back in the day. Do you guys remember it? Here comes Leroy! <laughs> All, right. All right, time's up. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I, was, I, I forgot about the whole Leroy Jenkins thing. Because uh, that is so old. The, the last time I saw the video, I thought I just ran in there and just aggroed a bunch of dragons or monsters. I didn't realize there were eggs. No, my first thought was uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yeah. Th- this happens in the movie, too. Does it? I don't yeah. remember that. Oh, side note. B-Ray Jenkins is over 10 years old now. Wow. Yeah. I remember when that was a thing. And I, I would like to point out that I was certain that that was fake, and it has finally been proven that they planned that and scheduled uh, you know. It is fake. Yeah, I know. I could tell it was, but people are like, no, it's not. I'm like, dude, the guys are giggling. as they're like, stick to the, stick to the plan. It's still funny. <laughs> oh yeah, it's funny as shit. Tickle, tickles my balls all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this is an awesome encounter. Um, I think obviously it has uh, a, quite the risk um, because uh, no matter how weak you make those, there's a chance that you run the risk of a TPK. Because there's lots of them. Yeah, due to the <laughs> bounded accuracy system, accuracy system. Oh god, I just, I just had a thought of a. A monster variant called the Tide Pod Monster. Oh my god! <laughs> if, uh, uh, Darwinism at work. Any any uh, creature who walks in with a uh, wisdom or intelligence lower than a certain number has to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's that's funny. What's wrong with you people? 
it literally says it on the box and you know the fact that it's a chemical anyway um so yeah actually i love the idea of this being a thing full of uh, 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 a clutch of eggs full of um full of uh, rust monsters oh. and then the entire gear just starts to melt how horrible would that be you know what I mean? Yeah. So it'd be one thing. It was just like, oh, these are just uh, giant ants or something. Right, like right. But fucking and you're like, oh, you're a uh, your sorcerer. Just identify these as rust monsters. Ah, uh, oh, well, shit. <laughs> so uh, any other uh, things you can see about making this encounter really great? Okay, the rust monster thing is just evil, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's your favorite magical armor that glows in the dark? Well, guess what? Fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> fucking no. <laughs> They latch on you. They're hungry after they're waking How up out of their egg. Make it worse. Make it a, a multi nest of different monsters. Mix. Oh, mix. That would see that, but that wouldn't make sense unless somebody was growing them in their back route, back backyard, like or someone's a collector. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Ah, oh, so cool. Didn't think of that, did you? <laughs> yeah. Instead of eggs, maybe it's uh, like a uh, bunch of them in like barrels, and you knock the barrels over, and the eggs spill out. <laughs> A barrel of monkeys, maybe? A barrel, a barrel of monkeys, a barrel, oh my god. A barrel of rust monsters. Uh, Alright, so that does it for our encounter the podcast. Uh, nest of monster eggs, thanks to Gabe. Have you read our next uh, magic item there, Brandon? Do you yes. Want to, do you, do you I'll want to... get out my Horodric cube and take a look at what I got. The Dimension Blade, found it, right here, in my bag of holding. Right here. I knew I had one somewhere. The blade appears to be made of a carved crystal sapphire with a leather-bound hilt with a black crossguard. Hmm, it's, it's quite pretty. <laughs> the pummel is also made of a perfect spear cut sapphire with a slight glow emanating from its center. As a bonus action, you can speak its command word. Typo. You know what? Don't fucking mind my typo, <laughs> asshole. Command work. <laughs> you know what it means? Yeah. That my Dick. <laughs> As a bonus action, you can speak as command word. When you do, you gain the ability to see into the ethereal plane for one minute. That's pretty cool. It is. This blade can slice through the ethereal plane. Enemies who retreat into the ethereal plane do not gain the benefit of avoiding an attack due to being in the ethereal plane. Dude, hit somebody with a banish field and hit them with this. <laughs> oh no, because then they can't attack back. That's evil. I well, it literally it. took you ten seconds to break my magic item. Thanks for that, dick. Um, so, uh, yes, um, I actually really, uh, like this magic item. Uh, there's a lot of abilities that allows you to, you know, like blink and etherealness that allows you to shift into this different dimension. And I actually thought about this when we were going over the horizon walker, I think is what it was. Yeah. Right? That shifts between the dimensions. Um, and then I was watching uh, Yu Yu Hakusho because we were talking about it. I'm like, I gotta go watch this shit. I was curious if that's where you get this from. That's exactly where I got it, the Jing and Toe. Yeah. Um, and I just think that this is a really cool magic item. I mean, it's very, very condition-oriented. I mean, this is a very specific condition that is useful in. But, man, when that condition shows up, you're gonna be like, ha-ha, bitch! <laughs> um, what do you guys think about this? I think I already gave my uh, two cents on that one. What about you, Brandon? <laughs> well, there's a reason why I keep it in my bag of holding. I would love to... Oh, Jones says, uh, I would love to have this for a boss to have use against a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I really think that that would be a good... I think I might give that to a boss one of these days. You guys are in a monster campaign. Oh, none of you are wizards. Oh, yes, there is a wizard. There is a wizard. He's a a blade singer. 
Even better. Uh, well, yes, I keep it in my bag of holding, because 364 days of the year, it's a paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a really cool item, and um, to me, I, I, I envision it, like, ripping, ripping, like, temporary rips as it's swinging. You're, like, creating, like, cuts into the ether, e- ethereal plane as you swing it. And it only lasts for, like, a second... Or even a ha- fraction of a second as you swing it. Like when you've got a sparkler and you swing it really fast, you can try to write your name. That's, that's kind of what I envision, but it's like cutting through the e- ethereal plane. Um, so, yeah, uh, that is our magic item, the Dimension Blade. All right, today's Dungeon Master to the podcast. Give names to the tribes of the creatures that you encounter. Yeah, we uh, we when you run into a lot of games, do you do you give goblin tribes and cobalt tribes names? Not usually. <laughs> the tribe of Rockinishu. <laughs> I think that um, actually, what this made me think of is um, I know I mentioned this on the podcast before, but there's a show on Netflix called Troll Hunters. You know what? You mentioned it once, and I'm pretty sure it's on my to-watch list along with, like, 30 other things. <laughs> but but anyway, they uh, mentioned the main character. Yes, we need to uh, fight against the gum-gums. Gum-gums? That doesn't sound like a very intimidating name. In troll, it means the bringers of pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and there, we, we've seen some That's examples. I'll give it a quote to get right, because okay. the actual line's so great. <laughs> Um, and we've seen examples of this in some of the released content. For example, in the Sunless Citadel, the goblin tribe that's called the Dur Buluk, or Dominator in Goblin. To me, something as subtle as the goblin tribes themselves, and, or cobalt tribes, or whoever having unique names that, uh, just like a gang, creates a, a more real world, right? Because then it shows that not all goblins are the same, not all kobolds are the same. They have their own groups, their own, their own societies. Got it. But anyway, and uh, Troll Hunters does want to seem like, we need you to help defend us against the gum, gum gum tribe. Like, that does sound like a very intimidating thing. In Troll speak, it means bring up horrible, slow, painful, and thoroughly calculated death. Thoroughly <laughs> 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 calculated. <laughs> like, oh, that does sound way worse if you put it that way. Uh, see, now, actually, that's fun that you mentioned that, because if you did something similar where, um... Like, uh, you go to, and I'm, I'm making this up, I don't speak goblin or anything, but if you give them a stupid goblin name and it turns out that means uh, putters of heads on sticks, and when you go to their camp, there's just thousands of little spears with skulls, you know, being pierced on them, you know? You can fit it into, their, fit it into the story. What I think would be a pretty neat idea is because you, you give them multiple tribes and it gives a more of an alive feel to the world. Right. And what if you had two tribes that were... Warring? Warring against each other. Not all kobolds probably like each other, I'm sure. Right. Just like people. Some of us hate each other. And you just get right in the middle of them. <laughs> we need you to defeat the Floofy Tribe. Floofy Tribe? No, that doesn't sound to me at all. In Goblin, that means uh, flares of skin with a dull knife. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goblin, it means sphincter removers. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you guys are awesome. And that is our DM tip for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And up next, also by Gabe, we have the player tip. <laughs> and our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be a dick. dick! And you can avoid dickitude by describing how you search. Why? When you're in the desert, you take out a giant comb to comb the desert. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we ain't found shit! <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, uh, this goes for uh, all skills uh, and actions, but... Um, especially search. Uh, when you're, you know, searching for traps, or uh, you know, don't just say I search for traps and then roll the dice. That is boring and just plain not interesting at all. Instead, 
Describe how you're taking your staff and tapping it on each sp- spot on the ground and listening for hollow points on the ground, or... Well, I'll take up my handbrush, start dusting away to clear the dust like if I have some cracks in there that might tr- show some sort of mechanism. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a good one. Um, maybe... I brush my hand through the air to see if I find resistance. There's a cable right here. Don't like a tripwire? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you know, describe how you're uh, pouring, you know, some water on the wall and watches where it trickling water pools uh, as it runs across the uh, runs across the fresco. Um, that happened in one of your favorite movies, didn't it? Where they held out their hand and poured water over it? Jurassic Park. Yeah. What was the point of that? I don't remember. I remember that scene, but it's talking about chaos theory. Is that uh, if you trickle water and you see it come down and you trickle again, you can assume that it's going to follow the same path, in which case it doesn't. Right, because it's going to, you know, nothing's ever the same when you move. Anyways, I remember that scene roughly. You know, (laughs) say whether or not you're wearing gloves when you pull the lever. Uh, If there's contact poison on something. Ooh. Pull the lever, crunk. That's an amazing, (laughs) that's an amazing idea. I've never done that. Have you? No. No. Levers as traps, levers themselves for traps as traps. It opens like, all right, good. Now you start to feel really dizzy. Three hours later, you just, boom, are out. Oh, I don't know if you start that. You, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, he says, I probably should uh, have licked it. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> you know, it, it, he says it's it's the worst when the DM has to ask, "Are you wearing gloves?" Um, because any player is going to reflexively say whether they had uh, yes, whether they had them on or not. Um, so he makes a really good point here that that's. There's a lot of assumptions that get made based on a question the DM asks, right? Uh, you know, he said, what, Jurassic Park? Never mind, I'm not going to... Oh, fucking kill you. <laughs> so how do you search, search a room? Why I kill unseen servant and have him t- tap all the links to links and crannies slowly as we move through the tunnel. Oh, that's an awesome use of that. Dang right. Where? I'll be a friend of rat. Go get the cheese. Whoosh! <laughs> <laughs> Spike's coming, chop it in half. Uh... Um, we don't want to get that cheese. Team turns next to you. That was terrible. But we're alive, aren't we? <laughs> the rat's life for hours. All right, we're out of rats. Brandon, go check for cheese. Go get the cheese. Mr. Whiskers, no! <laughs> Mr. Wor- Whiskers, the 11th. <laughs> um, I actually, I was, Ow. I don't know who it was. I think it was, was it might have been an inter-party conflict, I could be mistaken, where somebody said that, that everyone would carry an entire bag of uh, uh, rats as like a source for something similar to that. I'm trying to, damn, I can't remember for exactly. Go, Jesus, go! <laughs> Just send <Jesus>. them down. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, that is our player tip of the podcast, don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Describe how you search. Oh, yeah. I'd like to point out we got an email... Because somebody doesn't loves our show and loves our content and says hates that we call players dicks. Have you played D anD D? What was he a DM? Uh, he just started, so I have no idea. Um, oh, he just started. That's why. Then he has you. You user have no idea. Just just wait. You'll um, still find out. And there, there's a reason why one of my old DMs catchphrase became "I hate you all." <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to point out there is some history behind that. Um, I think it was Will Wheaton that started that that thing or really made it popular um, with the Don't Be a Dick thing. That or Penny Arcade, I don't know which. But I uh, I got it mostly from 
from there and i'm like well okay not being a dick there's a lot of what all can you do to not be a dick so there's where the tip came from here's how you can not be a dick yeah, there's a lot so, of yeah. if you ever start to, to dm and you spend your hours getting this this encounter ready your players will break it and you will be pissed off <laughs> and call them cadets ah i think uh, i had that don't discussion. be a cadet <laughs> fucking graduate you lazy bum <laughs> I think it was uh, Ryan originally I asked him because th- originally we thought about some of those names and he's like eh really I don't really like it but he's gone gone. I guess I can say fuck it welcome cadets <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can change it from welcome heroes to welcome cadets to the crit academy alright maggots welcome <laughs> to your first welcome day of training <laughs> you're an even human fucking being <laughs> <laughs> how's my little brussels sprouts doing today who the fuck said that? Who's the Major <laughs> Pain? Who's the color Twinkle Toes cocksucker right here just so decided his own death warrant? Thumbnail jacket. Yeah, uh, I think we ended up settling on uh, Heroes just because we were. I was playing. Uh, I was playing Fable, like oh, Heroes God. Go. That game is so much fun. Oh, I know. I just finished. I played through it again. Um, it's pretty awesome. Super easy to get overpowered, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's our show today. Before we close out, we have one more amazing gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. This shit sucks. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. Look, a town! The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils. Ah, Megan! And the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. This place looks nice. Unlucky for the adventurers. Oh, shit. They've stumbled upon... Dragon's Breath Tavern. Uh-oh. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. He's like a trapdoor. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Hey, look, it's Dungeon Dice Monsters. Demon Dice, I lost my entire... <laughs> My coin board feels like shit's oh, rigged because I got jipped. <laughs> Who's our winner today, uh, Ian? Our winner today is Moon Gray. <laughs> when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, um, congratulations, Moon Gray. If you enjoy the adventure, please make sure to leave Jeff Stevens a review. Um, so he can help improve his product. Brandon. Huh? Do you want to do the closing? <laughs> I think there's a yes. Please join us next. Uh, fuck. This is my first time doing it. I fucked up on the first word. <laughs> <laughs> Not as easy as it fucking looks like now, is it, asshole? Ever since Brandon has returned, he's been so hyper. Yeah. He's got a job now. I got a job and a screaming baby at home, and this is the only time I get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> it's a half and half, but... That's why you're not kidding. I don't know. Have I seen more hyper since I've been back? You have more personality, and I'm glad. You seem happier. Uh, I think it's because after spending a month being away from here... I re- you realize <laughs> how much fun it is? It's that whole thing. You don't realize what good things you have until they're gone. <laughs> I was still just like, I want to go back to Credit Academy. <laughs> now you just got to show up to one of our games. Yeah... I know it's hard for you. I know it is. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will discuss Xanathar's class analysis, the Warlock.
<laughs> I got an awesome character concept for this one. Do you guys you gonna know? love it? I do. I've been waiting for the warlock just so I can share this character concept. Don't use burning hands on yourself. <laughs> if you have any feedback, unearth tips and tricks, or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Choice, choice. Or you can just send us a message telling us how you enjoyed the show. I guess. Yeah. Also, <laughs> make sure to leave us a like and a share. We don't advertise, so the best advertisement we get is word of mouth and sharing posts on Facebook. So you can help us extend our reach to the stars above. Jesse. Justin. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as have a chance to win cool uh, prizes each and every week. Head on over to CritNation.com and check out all of our Fellowship of the Web Ring. <laughs> Join our community of like-minded individuals who are content creators and people who just enjoy uh, helping give you guidance, inspiration, and tools to enhance your game. You will also find our li- uh, links to our Fellowship members there as well. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. This episode brought to you by the Sorcerer's Blood Bank. If you want sorcerer powers, come stop on by and get yourself a blood transfusion from your mythical beast of choice. What the fuck? (laughs) We're sorry, sir. Your blood transfusion was tainted with mouse. (laughs) We, uh... What is Joel saying? We are not responsible if you explode from getting the wrong kind of blood.